a view now called self-centeredness. That's a view, yes? That actually causes vision to be for God. And now it's a form of looking. So you become blind to the scene when you're looking. Because it's like a pair of glasses, but you think they're your eyes. So like when it says in uh, recovery, a new pair of glasses, we're thinking that uh, we're going to get a pair of glasses to correct the distortion of our eyes. Yeah. But in fact, we're putting those new pair of glasses, let's say if it's Buddhism or Kabbalah or anything, we're putting those new pair of glasses on another, on a previous pair of glasses called self-centeredness. Yeah. So the distortion isn't inherently you. You are not distorted. It's the glasses that are on that create the distortion. And then another pair of glasses may help to correct the distortion. But they don't alleviate the real dilemma, which is you've taken a pair of glasses to be your eyes. So whatever the glasses' limitations are, you take them to be yours. You can't entertain if they're not you, because you're identified with the glasses in a sense. So... So other pairs of glasses may help correct some of the distortion, but they, the same dilemma is kept in place. No matter how many pair of glasses you get on, get, you put them over another pair of glasses that you're not aware of. So that to me is a form of looking called self-centeredness. And then all the other glasses we get are meant to correct the distortions of that self-centeredness. Yeah? And, but if they really, really did their job, they would lead to their own obsoleteness, where, because they would sooner or later point out to the idea that it's not you. Like, what you're taking to be you is not you. So what you're taking to be your eyes are not your eyes. They're a form of looking, like a pair of glasses, yes? So when that happens, then you can entertain taking off the original glasses, which are being seen as your way of, of, of looking. When you take them off, that's vision, yeah? That's vision. All the other ones are views. Yeah? Because they're still masking the vision, which is seeing, natural seeing. Self-centeredness is a form of looking. So everything that corrects self-centeredness is another form of looking, in a way. So Buddhists take it, you know, look at life from the Buddhist point of view or from the Christian point of view, whatever. Yes? But they're all views or an understanding. But... If they could, if they would lead to vision, they would question the first pair of glasses. Yeah? Because every time seeing is being, uh, let's say, uh, carried through a form of looking, you're blind to the seeing. Yeah? You're taking, and so, the, let's say, not the original, but the first pair of glasses is the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Yeah? So in that view, it's in a it's in a mind, yes, it's a mind, and in that mind, even though you're identified with this unit, a single unit, your mental condition is dualistic. You're taking yourself to be the subject as an object, yes? And therefore everything now is an object to you. So when you're talking about you, you're talking about you and them, really. See, there can't be an object without a subject, and there can't be a subject without an object, yes? Like it was a famous Zen treatise, which is, that's one of the things he says. He says, an object is only an object to a subject, and a subject is only a subject to an object. Yes? So in this mind state, this conditional mind itself, self-centeredness, it's a dualistic construct. So what you are more like is two instead of one. Yeah? 
actually a movement of mind that there can't be one without the other. So there can't be an object without the subject, and there can't be a subject without the object. So now the mind is in two-ness, yet it's trying to cover that two-ness by being identified with one object, yes? So it believes I'm the singularity, but it's not the singularity. This is representing the dualism. So there's a very big severe limit to dualism. It can't enter oneness as two-ness, yes? <laughs> There's not enough room for it. <laughs> it's trying to enter oneness with a with a a modality of two-ness. So when it entertains oneness, it sees it as an object or as a thing. Like I'm gonna enter oneness. I'm going to merge with oneness. I'm going to find my authentic self in oneness. But see, oneness is now just another part of the two-ness, because you're the subject, and it must be cast as an object to you. Yeah? And there's no way the mind in that, in that uh, paradigm can get out of the paradigm as the paradigm. So self can't get out of self. Yeah? Because self is giving the object the, the uh, quality of being the subject. Yeah? When in fact there's only subjectivity moving through all these objects. Yeah? There's only subjectivity. In other words, in this room, no matter how many if we wanted to share our experiences, we would basically say, my experience right now is I'm seeing you. Yeah. Maybe I'll give you the name Steve, but the fact is I'm seeing, Steve is represented by a you, a body. Yeah. I'm seeing you, and I'm seeing you, and I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you, I'm seeing you. I'm seeing you. Yeah. Now, if we had 800 people in the room, I'd have the same experience. I'm seeing you, 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 you. There'd be more, yeah, or less, but it would be the same event. And then you get 12 million people, it would be the same event. I'm seeing you, you, it would take a lot longer, yeah, but there would be, I'm seeing you. Yeah, all right. Now that's a pretty clear statement, I'm seeing you. Because that's actually what's happening. The I, represented subjectivity, not you as the subject, but subjectivity, is seeing all these objects. Yes? Called you. Okay, now let's say if we asked Sam his experience, he would say the same thing. I'm seeing you. But suddenly, this I I'm taking myself to be is a you to him. Yeah? From his point of view of I, I'm a you. From your point of view of I, I'm a you. From this point of view of I, you're a you. Now where's the big difference here? The big difference is, my mental process asks, well, who am I? Yeah. It says, well, who am I? Who am I is that seeing you? And I go, I go, me. Yeah. Now, eight billion people are in this room. They're voting, there's only, I'm seeing you. Yeah. But no matter how much evidence that, how I'm being experienced is as a you, the mental process tries to combine the I with a you and call it me. Yeah. So the I, the mental process, recognizes the subjectivity, it senses it, yeah? But what it does is it claims the subjectivity and says, that I is actually a you, yeah? But because it's, but it's me. <laughs> so it sort of takes, <laughs> it takes the I, co-ops it, claims it is being done by the you, and calls it me. And with this room of eight billion yous, there's only one me. 
One me, no matter how many U's you get, no matter how many U's I see, yeah, no matter how many I see me as a U, I feel it's me. And there's no me like me anywhere in this place. And it gives me an, an incredible separation from all the U's. So I can't really feel what you are going through because it's not me. <laughs>
There's no end to nothingness. There's always an end to something. But nothing has no end, because it has no beginning, it's no thing. Yes? So, this message is delivered, 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 for the I to recognize the you, and then the C to lie of calling it me. Yeah? The I recognizes the you just like you recognizes you. It recognizes that, hey, this is an object that can be seen. It's called you to everyone else in this world. It's, I'm the only one, I call it me. <laughs> I'm the only one that calls this damn you me. And you can probably trace everything back to that little bit of a mistake. When the you is taken to be, I, to be me by the I, then there's a whole big, there's a confusion now. Because now, instead of realizing or sensing consciousness is in contact, even though consciousness is in contact, each and every moment that we seem to have here, there'll be a sense that you're the one that's in contact, as a me. Yeah? So it takes the I, the subjectivity, and places it and identifies it with the object, and now the object becomes the false subject. That's called dualism. Yeah? Dualism. That means dualism is, or duality, or non-duality, or non-dualism means not to. That's all it means. So how can a system of mind that's dualistic ever become one? How could two shed its two-ness to become one? The, the way is, it's not two. That's how it is. Because it doesn't take any time for oneness to be one if it's not two. <laughs> if it takes itself to be two, it may try to get back to oneness as two-ness, which is impossible. Yeah? It's a little bit of confusion that plays out in a lot of time here. A lot of time and effort and doing and having and everything like that. Because you take yourself to be a body, and that gives you a sense of singularity. But your mind is in a dualistic frame. Subject-object. An object can't be an object without a subject, and a subject can't be an object without an object. But subjectivity doesn't need any object. Yes? To be subjectivity doesn't need an object. To be a false subject, you need an object to be the subject too. Yeah. So this experience is to reinforce the sense that you're, you're the me. Yeah. How is that going to be? Just because you think, oh, I'm Paul, and this is going to end to oneness, and it should be an easy match, oneness and oneness, you know, the big oneness to this little oneness, but your mind's paradigm isn't of oneness, it's of two-ness. Yeah? It's subject-object. If I'm the subject as this, then everything becomes an object to me. So when someone brings up the idea of awakening, it's an object to me. It's like a mental, conceptual object. Oh, what, is a, what will awakening mean to me? Instead of seeing what awakening is, it doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah? It's all I. Yeah? The one little mistake has been corrected. And the correction is it never fucking happened. That's the correction. It's the only correction that's worth its salt. If it took time, it wouldn't be a correction. It would be followed by the problem and then the correction and the problem. This is that the, the problem from the, from the, let's say if you want to call it the solution, from the solu solutions view, the problem is imaginary. That's why it's not a problem. Yeah. From the problem's view, the problem is real. That's why there's a huge desire for a solution. Yeah? 
That's what drives all the seeking, is taking something that's not real to be real. In the problem, the problem seems real. That produces a huge urge to a solution to it. But the real solution is that there's an imaginary problem. It has no reality whatsoever, other than what you believe it to have. Yeah? That's the only solution that's worth its salt. Because it's not combined with a problem. It stands in and of itself. It's actually not a solution. It's only in this, this sharing that we're using it as a solution. So, like, the best way to get out of something is realize you were never in it. This is how it works, yeah? The only way you can feel like you're lost is if you think you're going somewhere. Yeah? All these little sayings are just trying to imply something, yes? Actually imply nothing. That's what they're doing. And uh, <laughs> when nothing finally entertains nothing, yeah, it may give up the idea of being a something. <laughs>
So this desire to become, that selfing is, if you watch it, right? it's constantly desiring to become or it's desiring to unbecome because it may have a belief it's a loser or it's not lovable, this and that. It goes both ways, but there's a desire to unbecome by becoming something else or a desire to become. Yeah? So this movement of selfing, the desire to become is just an appearance. It can never actually fulfill the desire. You never can be a self. It can't, it can't reach climax. It can't reach fulfillment. It's always going to be unfulfilled because it can't be a self. It can only appear to be a self. Yeah? It can only appear to be a self. And therefore, the appearance to create a sense of continuum as a self has to keep going. So the obsession with self is just like almost every other activity of the body. And the brain is part of the body. You just don't like one weekend just take a piss the longest piss you have and never piss again. Have you? You didn't make one date on a Saturday, all right? This is the biggest number two download of all. I'm just going to get done with all the twos in my life. You know, I'm, all right, pump the heart once. That's it. So, or when you did coke. Did you ever do coke? I never did coke enough where I got satisfied until I reached my limit. I've reached... I reached the level of pure satisfaction. Thank you, cocaine. Very much. Thank you. I'll never need you or visit you again. I am satiated. No. It just keeps you have to keep on taking it. That's the same thing with mind addicted to self. It will never become fulfilled because it can't be a self. Yeah? So it has to keep appearing to be a self. Yes, 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 yes. And so these all these other addictions are attempting to relieve the unfulfillment of the first addiction of mind wanting to be a self. Just like they say in Buddhism, there's the cherishing of self. Just like when I shot coke, I cherished cocaine. It was like my religion. I turned my whole will and my life over to it, if I had one, and I just followed it. I was the, I'd match my devotion to drugs with any spiritual devotion written in any other scriptures from any civilization. I did everything they, they, they lauded and made so noble. I did that every fucking day. Prostituted myself constantly. Gave everything away for it. Took yours and gave it away to it. <laughs> constantly was obsessed around it all day. Wanted to be near it constantly. <laughs> With the hopes of fulfillment, it never worked, did it? Well, the because all those things are mimicking the uh, the uh, initial unfulfillment, which is because you didn't have it when you were a kid. When you were a baby, you did not feel like a self. It hadn't been. It hadn't been produced yet by the mental process. The mental process produced this original addiction to the idea of being a self, which has kept the mind busy for 30, 50, 70 years. And if you see someone else who's addicted to it, and they talk about their addiction to it, but you have, their addiction is to Sue, and your addiction is to Paul, you're totally bored about their addiction in one minute. When they start complaining about what's not happening and all the worries they have about what's not happening, you're bored stiff. But you've been listening to the same thing with an incredible amount of uh, enthusiasm for 50 years. Why is that? Because one is, it's about you. The you that you're not, nor will you ever be, and nor will you ever be able to become. So that addiction is producing all these other desires to get relief from the original addiction, which are they're provoking other addictions. Now, now you get stuck with those consequences as the first addiction. Yes. 
So what suffers in all the other addictions is the product of the first addiction, the feeling of being you. And you think it could be different or it should be different. Why? I, I'm not this type of person. All this baloney that makes exquisite suffering every fucking day. But that's never looked at. I've got to get over this addiction and that addiction. Have you noticed if you've been in recovery, it just morphs into other addictions, doesn't it? Maybe it's drugs and you stop doing drugs, then it's porno or shopping or something, sex. It, the mind is just, it's like, breaks through every little socialized dam you can put up and it keeps seeking what? Fulfillment. Because some one original scratch or one original itch hasn't been scratched, nor it will ever be scratched, because to be scratched you have to be self, and it can never fulfill that desire. So we're in constant, we're, we're in, in, a, in time, the constant addiction to what we're not is the dominant theme. People believe that, oh, if I found some satisfaction, everything would stop. They go over it like a speed bump. The seeking just keeps continuing. Because in the seeking, there can be an appearance of the seeker. There's no appearance of the seeker if what's found is already so. Yeah. If it's not, it wasn't here and then it finally is here, that's a big full-length mirror to the seeker. Oh, fuck, look at what I've discovered. I've spent all these lifetimes trying to become this. Yes? That is, that's nothing compared to all the lifetimes you can act becoming self. Yeah. So the seeker needs seeking. The seeking produces the sense of seeker. Yes? What are you going to do if you're a finder? You're scared shit of it, the mind. Because that would mean the possibility of rest is available. And that's the last thing it wants to entertain. Because its whole, its whole life is agitation. It's not so, so it has to appear to be so. It's constantly agitated. That's why it says in recovery, self-seeking and frightened. It doesn't separate the two. Self-seeking, that's the nature of selfing, is seeking. What? Fulfillment, or or the, the fulfillment of the desire to become. What? Self. And it never ends. Yeah. You're always going to be an urban renewal project. I don't care how fucking... What your mind said was only a five-year plan, and then we'll be done, and we'll, you know, everything will be cool. Is it? Has it? Even this message, people get this message, and it's turned into the same thing as every other message. I've got to keep doing this. I've got to... No, you don't. You don't have to fucking do anything. That's the... That's, to me, is the value of the message. But the thing is, as soon as the mind, in dualism, gets this, it makes it an object to it. There's no escape in two-ness to oneness. There's just seeing there is no two-ness. That's it. Yeah. And instead of being self-centered, which is obviously agitated, obviously, obviously, if you look at yourself or anyone else, they're seeking constantly. Maybe very civilized seeking, but still seeking. I used to see people who thought they were very civilized seeking after a couple of days doing coke. Then they were on their knees looking on the rug for some fucking thing, a mythical piece of coke that was a piece of lint. And then running back to their chair and putting it in the spoon and shooting it up with the hopes fuck. That's not seeking? Yeah. All the little socialness was out the window after a few days. Fuck it, you know. You have a hit. Don't do anything. Just fucking a prostitute immediately. Why? Why? Because there's a huge imperative, a huge imperative in conditional mind. 
Its imperative is a desire to become. Not being willing to face up to that, it just does all this other fucking shit to get some relief. So the view is held by a form of looking, you know, self-centeredness, with the hopes that this, this, the tuness of that system, self-centeredness, will be questioned, and then the mind will come out of that mental yoga posture of self, and then vision starts occurring. Yeah? And it's not like it started occurring, there's just an awareness of it. Yeah? The mind becomes conscious of the vision, the natural seeing. Once it becomes conscious of that, it realizes there's never not been that. Yeah? And that no matter how much I huffed and puffed, I didn't blow anything down. Yeah? The most heinous act that I, I have claimed to be the doer of has absolutely no influence on this state, this primary state. Yeah? In other words, in a sense, I'm totally irrelevant and you're left off the hook finally. Yeah? What is isn't based on you. It's based on what is. If you could put down your considerations and requirements, it would be available right now, because that's all it is, is available now. Yeah. That's why they say those weird statements, it's a, the gateless gate or the open secret. They're trying to imply something, that there is no gate to go through, you don't have to pay a toll person, there's no gate. What would, how could there be a gate without a gate? The gateless gate. How could it be a secret if it's open? You know, it's just a way of twisting the little logic of mind. Yeah. So if it's an open secret, that means what? It's already, it's always available. Everyone knows it. <laughs> gateless gate. Wait a minute. How far do I have to walk through a gateless gate? Not at all. <laughs> if there's no gate, how could it be called a gate? <laughs> Do I have to know someone like a speakeasy? You know, Sri Rama something. No, you don't need that either. There's a freedom. Now it's getting so normal to me, I can't, don't even see it as anything at all. It's great. I'm not even excited about it anymore. It's just, it's like, you know, ho-hum in a great way, you know. It's just so obvious. It doesn't make you anything. It really doesn't. If you become better, it's only an appearance. It doesn't make you better. And it, you know, there's no degrading of you either. It's just seeing that there's no scale to accrue value with. There's no, I'm starting at negative five and I gotta get to one every day. All that's off. You cannot believe the relief. Yeah, where you can just walk in a room I mean, how many times have you gone to the bathroom and while you're going to the bathroom, the head says, I'm going to the bathroom. Why would you need that? Why would you need uh, that statement proclaimed when you're going to the bathroom? I mean, why do you need to be informed of what you're doing? It just blows my mind. Yeah? And uh, I remember when I was young, not as when I was a kid, but when I started to get, you know, five years old, the preoccupation with me and the total forgetting of the I and the mistake of taking the you to be the I, calling it me, just became the dominant theme. Where I didn't have a moment's rest because the thing was yakking constantly about what everything meant. Yeah. When I was a kid, when I was playing, 
I had no trouble being where I was because I hadn't entertained the idea I could be somewhere else. Yeah? My mind hadn't entertained the idea, hey, I could be, I don't have to be doing this. It was just doing what was in front of me. Yeah? It was all this time when the mental process got stronger, then the sense of alienation and this uncomfortableness in your own skin, all of that was engendered by that growing. Yeah? All of it can be traced right back to that original root because it wasn't there when I, before that. Yeah? I grew into it in a sense. But if you take it to be you, you'll never entertain being free of it. You'll entertain being free as it, which isn't freedom. Really. You can't get away from the limitations of the mind you're relying on. Self-centeredness is a very limited, limited uh, pro program. Yeah? It, it's structured in time, and the whole thought system takes you, or takes the I as a you, called the me. It's rooted in a, a body identification. It's not going to think outside that box. That's the only way you can think. Yeah? So when you try to capture you in a, in a place you've ne that never existed in the past and in the future, you're seen as a body. Right? And because it's seen as your body, it's worthy of being worried about. I'm not worrying about that many people of what's going to happen to them in the future. But we can be worrying a huge amount about not we, the system, when it's you. Yeah. So the feeling of being you enlivens that possibility, which is impossible, that you could be somewhere else other than now. Yeah. And the mind now just <coughs> riffs on it. It places you somewhere else at some other time and thinks about it. Yeah? Thinks about a you, but you call it me. So our interest and attention is way to following that constantly. Yeah? And what happens is, it's sort of like here, you follow, you're going past and future, and it's like here's this incredible vision out of a beautiful, clear windshield. Yeah? Yet what your mind is following is the wipers. Yeah? It totally blocks out. You can't even enjoy the scene because your mind is just going, Past, future, past, future, yes. That little movement gets all our attention and interest, and very little of our interest and attention goes to the space or that vision. Yeah. Why? Because we think all of those movements are about us, and we really, really want to become something. We do. We want to be special. We want to be right. We want to be loved by one person, not the universe. We want... We want to have peace of mind, especially if others don't, so we can lord over them and stuff like that. It's all a drive to be unique and special, yeah? And yet it can never become fulfilled. Because what you are cannot forget what it is to become what you're not. It just can never reach culmination. It can never reach that climax. It can never go, ah, I'm a self. If you really felt you were, there wouldn't be so many thoughts about it. <laughs> all freaking day, I'm telling you. <laughs> If it was really so, it would be so, and your day would be spent doing other things and thinking about you. <laughs> I swear, I swear, what would really scare you is how much time you have. People don't like a lot of time. They're, they flip out unless they're accruing value. Yeah? They can't just sit and do nothing because it goes, their whole mental accountant goes crazy. What? What? got to accrue value. What is accruing value but the desire to become? Yes? What is all the movements to become better 
desire not to be what we think we are. Usually that's the movement. So you already believe you are something, and there's a desire to become something else. We only usually see that what we desire to become something else, but the real identification is with that. I'm a fucking fraud. I'm a loser. I'll never be loved. I've done some bad things that I can never find forgiveness for. Oh, I don't, my mind doesn't want to be that, which it isn't to begin with, but so now it makes it worse by trying to become something else, which only emphasizes the belief you're that. So it's going this way, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. Or if you want to go this way, this way, this way, and your attention is wedded to it because it's about you. What would happen if it isn't about you? Your interest and attention would notice, would see this, but would be looking out, would be seeing out. And that seeing out would totally, totally dominate this looking at this and that. The space, the presence, the uh, oddness, the clarity of mind would overwhelm all of this little but, but, yes, no, this, that, yeah. Like you can really, the solution reveals the problem. It really does. It's really that simple. If you had a hand on your shoulder and been on there your whole life, you wouldn't know it was there. Yeah. Yet it would have it would have caused a lot of effects. Like any time you put your shoulder bag would fall off. This would have been a lot of things. One shirt had the longer sleeves than the other, and you always wonder. and you'd have all these great convoluted reasons why. This was happening, which had none of them would be on the money. Yeah? But you would have the sense of knowing, yes, I know what's fucked me up. But I'll tell you, if that hand lifted, you would know that was the problem. Yeah? You would know it by its absence. Yes? You would know it by its absence. You will never know it while it's seemingly present. You will never know you're not that when it's still present. Yeah? When the selfing is trying to become not that, that's just another form of selfing. Yes? The self-thing has a desire, it, wa- it wants to have an experience of its own absence, but it wants to be there to have it. Yeah? Yet, the fact is, it's inherently absent in every moment of your life. It's inherently absent. There is not a self. There's just selfing. Yeah? There is not a self that selfing is being done to or is doing it. There is not a self that is doing the selfing or being done by the selfing. Yeah? There is no self. Both of those positions are produced by listening to selfing all day. If you're listening to selfing, you're the doer of your life. You're the claimer. Every movement of consciousness, you're the one that's doing it. Instead of when you see, see, it's when I see, I'm the seer. Yeah? When I hear, I'm the hearer. When I feel, I'm the feeler. I'm the haver. I'm the taster. I'm the doer. Yes? Instead of, like Buddha said, you know, events happen, deeds are done, but there's no individual doer thereof. Seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching happen, but there's no individual seer, hearer, feeler, taster, or toucher. Yes? What's seeing will never be seen. What's hearing will never be heard. Never. Never. You're never going to feel the no-thingness. You're never going to smell it. You're never going to taste it. Yeah? So what's seeing, what's seeing can't be seen. That's the beauty of it. If it could be seen, it would be something, and that wouldn't be it. It's nothingness. Yeah? It's not of a form. 
It moves through form like winds move through flutes, but it's not, you can't mistake the flute as that wind. They just facilitate the wind to produce a note, yeah? So this facilitates consciousness to have an experience of itself as other, yeah? Without that, there would be no experience. But to take this to be the one that's conscious is an incredible leap. Yeah. I mean, really, if I died right now and, uh, you know, nothing happened to my eye, you could take my eye out, put it in the live body, it would see, but it was never going to see again in this body. So obviously it's not the body that's seeing. Yeah. It's something that's moving through the body, like a light that would move through a projector. started when I was sharing in recovery, uh, we made a simple, a simple uh, presentation, the difference between a thought and my thought, yeah? Because in that one demonstration, you can see the whole principle of selfing, yeah? You can take one thought, and if you could weigh it as a thought, let's say you captured a thought running through Sam's head, and cut the Sam off of it, because you're Paul, so you wouldn't have it as, and then have that, and then weigh a thought that's held as yours, and then see how much the thought, though they're both the same, changes by the addition of a mind. Yeah? That can open up your whole world. That simple example. One, the principles in every other thought. Every thought that you've ever seen is either held is about you or you're the, the thinker of it. Yeah? So in one thought, you can see the whole scheme. One thought. The difference between a thought and my thought. And I thought it was so clear, maybe it is, 
Because in recovery, I'd go to meetings and people, I was sitting there without knowing it, my mind was in a sense of terminal uniqueness, and I swear this happened. I'd be listening to people share, and I couldn't get over the fact that they seemed to be my thoughts they were sharing, and my feelings, and my reactions to life. And it was like sort of, wait a minute, how could they be mine if you have them? <laughs> it, just, it just went totally against the premise of being an individual entity. How could the property of an individual entity be shared by so many? Yeah. How could the property of an individual entity be taken all around the world by people I've never even met? How could they have my thoughts and my feelings and my reactions? Obviously, they're not mine. Yeah. They're just a system of thought that generates feelings and certain reactions to life. And that system, we call alcoholism. And by recognizing that, as a foreign, let's say, installment or a parasite, however you want to put it, there was a huge amount of relief came from that. And how that relief felt, I had some distance between a thought than my thought. <laughs> my thoughts were on me, yeah? But thoughts, and then I let that thought have its own nature, which is it comes and goes. My thought is enslaved to orbiting around the planet Paul, yeah? No matter how far a loop it is, it always seems to come back. The same old thoughts over and over and over again. Everything is rehashed, redone, refelt, rethought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was enough to blow my head off. I swear. I mean, and it seems so logical if you just investigate your own experience. If you just go into meetings and go, wait a minute. How come I'm identifying with all these people, and then if a normal person comes in, and we all start laughing at some of the things we've done, they're fucking aghast. They're like, how could you ever share that with all these people? They have no sense of identification because their dominant thought system is in alcoholism. And all of ours are. And then it gets down to a point like, I'm not identifying with who you are. I'm identifying with what's taking you over. It's as simple as that. I am so clear that listening to you, you've been living under the same tyranny I have. Yeah. Now, how many years it's been. It's just so solidly obvious. Yeah. And the good news is, hey, you're not that, and I'm not that. Yes? If to take ourselves to be that and then try to get better, you're still stuck on the flypaper of that fucking system. And you'll take it to be normal. No, this is a radical solution. It's a radical, uh, something radical. It can cut like a cold knife. It can be very clear and very, very brief, and yet never change from that point on. Always stay clear. Yeah? Don't give the mind the qualities of a body. <laughs> Time. It's beyond that. Yeah? The body, the mind doesn't have the limitations of the body. It doesn't. It's not of time. This body is of time. It's appearing. So it takes time to appear. Mind is not appearing. It's appearing through things and making effects, but mind is no thingness. It's not of time. It's not of a process. It's not a, as a... Mind or centeredness isn't attempting to fulfill itself. It's already complete and whole. It may be looking to express itself, but it's not here to achieve itself. It's not here to authenticate itself. It's not here to accrue value. Yeah, because all of those drives are, come from a, a false, a phantom thing. Yeah, 
This thing is the real deal and it's complete in itself. So it's being. Being. Not to become, it's already being. Yeah? It has no desire to become because it already is. That's, that's called resting in centeredness. You're going to rest in something, either self-centeredness or centeredness. There's not many choices. Yeah. They both have, there's, there's a reliance on either of them, either on self or on centeredness, but their effects are totally different. If you have total faith in self, you're going to have a lot of anxiety. You are, yeah, because you're going to believe a thought system that's constantly provoking what's not happening to be the dominant thing that's happening, yeah? Because in what's not happening, you can appear every fucking moment in what's not happening. Because you're not appearing, actually, in this moment. <laughs> the thought system is the last place it wants to be is where it cannot get away from. And then the whole drive, like we say, is, is so funny because people are trying to get into the moment. You know, it blows my mind. <laughs> They're trying to get into the moment. I'm going to get really, really into the moment. I'm really, 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 really going to get into the moment. That, that's based on the presumption that you could be out of a moment. Yeah? You are the moment. You're not in the moment. You're not the subject that's in the moment called the object. You're not dualistic. You're not. You are the moment. Yeah? And then on the other sense, people are trying to get out of self, which they can't be in. <laughs> so people are trying to get in what they can't be out of and trying to get out of what they can't be in. It's a simple little correction. What would happen, what would your life look like if you were trying to get out of something you can't be in? Trying to get out, you would be seeking, wouldn't you? You'd always be, you'd be thinking you were in something, and you'd be seeking, looking out, wouldn't you? If you were in like a, a, like a little situation that was very uncomfortable for you, you would be prone to be seeking constantly. You wouldn't even find any rest there. Even if there was nothing to do, you, know, you would be looking, yes? To get out of it. That's what happens when you believe you can be in something. And the same thing, when you, can, when you believe you can be out of something, you're looking to get into the moment. Yeah? They're two made-up boxes. One, I want to get out of I want to stop thinking about myself. Good luck. <laughs> you never thought about yourself. Mind's thinking about self. Yeah. And then, I want to get in to, into this moment. Oh, yes. See, I had to get straight, really get into the moment. As I'm feeling it. It's getting more, it's getting more real now. But there's a belief when you were like this, you were out of the moment. See, it's all bullshit. All bullshit. Now you decide to become this, or leave that, this and that. It's all like, it's like, it's, it's phony flames to light the, the pan so that you bounce like a jumping bean. Yes? The mind. Let me get in what I can't be out of. Let me get out of what I can't be in. Oh. You don't see a desire? Desiring? Isn't that a movement? Yeah. I don't know. So you let it in. It's just an invitation. You're not meant to receive it. When you receive it, you read the conceptual writing on the envelope. Hopefully, that's as far as it goes. Because if you open up, there's nothing there. Yeah. So the conditional mind sees no value in it. It's like I like this. It's like the Eye of Sauron, you know, in the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. 
He was constantly looking over all these realms for his ring. It was very precious. This is like something he's looking for. But all the while, nothing would go beyond his, uh, his ability to see. Right? He would just go right over it. Just like in Taoism. You ever read of Tao? The Tao Te Ching? They always talk about the wood that's not used for anything is the most valuable piece of wood. Yeah? Its value is that it has no purpose. Yeah, they're always talking about what man can't manipulate is a beautiful thing. Yeah? They're always leading. They're always trying to, in a sense, break that vision, that view of something. It's got to be something. And then recognize the incredible beauty of no thing or nothing. Yeah? I mean, what can I make of outer space? Nothing. That's why it's so beautiful. It's left alone. Mind will recognize itself. It will. Just needs a little bit of a possibility, a little bit of an invitation. Mind is of its own nature. Yes. Like Jesus says, when the eye is single, the body is full of light. Yeah. That singularity is a vision, not a not dualism. Yes. The way most of us are seeing is dualistically. The body doesn't seem full of light. The body seems like it's empty and we have to get a lot, yes? But he says, if your eye be single, then your body is full of light. Well, your eye is single. The eye is single. Everyone here is I, 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 yes? Experiencing use, 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 use. It's only that I is is confused by the you and calls it me, yeah? The same I here is confused by this you and calls it me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, simple correction. See how it plays out for you. Any questions tonight? No? There can be questions. There's a lot of questions in Toronto.